Have you ever wondered what copywriters talk about when you're not in the room? Get a peek into the brains of two messaging experts on this episode of Your Business Story. I am your host, Kristen Spencer. She's on a business writing mission To make sure you know what words to say So that what you deserve is what you'll get paid Because storytelling changes everything Get pumped for the epic knowledge in today's episode of Your Business Story This is episode 40 of season 1 Making Fuzzy Clear with guest Orly Zeewee Today, I cannot wait to geek out with this amazing woman and professional storyteller like me. We're storytelling friends, uh, Orly Zeewee. Welcome to the show, Orly. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you today? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Me too. And before we even start, I just want everyone to hear your amazing tagline, which is that you make fuzzy clear. So... We both work in the world of language, right? Specifically sales language. How did you realize that that was your superpower, that you could take something that maybe someone else was confused about? And I saw this also that you're like, I can take a whole page of confused nothingness and turn it into like one sentence of copy. So how did you realize that was your superpower? Well, you know what's really funny? This is going back now. Uh, When I first started my business, this is going back like 20 years ago, And I was having a conversation uh, with a vendor and the vendor said, you know, this is what you do early. You make fuzzy clear. Like he, he actually said that 20 years ago, but he didn't use that tagline until recently. And because it, you know, it takes a while um, to even be able to articulate like what you do. Right. So what I've learned is, and, and, you know, this is really um, something that, that um, kind of hit me recently. And, you know, I was thinking about as I was getting ready for your show is that, you know, people can talk all day long about what they do. That's not the problem. Right. Right. The issue is I don't have an hour for you to explain to me what you do. Yes. <laughs> so what I'm able to do is if you tell me, and, you know, people will send me like pages and pages and, you know, they send me their pitch deck and all this stuff. And, you know, I look at this and I go, oh, you mean you do this? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> I do. But, but the key, and, and this is why I've developed this whole process. And then I wrote the book, you know, that unpacks that process. The idea is that you want to be able to communicate it, not just quickly, but hit on the pain point, the yes. thing that's keeping your customer up at night. And often when we talk about what we do, we talk about it from our perspective, but nobody really cares about that. You know, they want to know why do people work with you? What do they get? What's the outcome? What's the transformation? You know, I work with a lot of coaches and authors and speakers and um, early stage companies and also actually you know, a little bit more advanced, like probably I would say up to year five is usually like my sweet spot. But what I have found is that it's just taking too long. And at the end of the day, people kind of go, eh, like, so, you know, and that translates into a homepage that tells me nothing and (laughs) a profile that's truly invisible. And, and, you know, I say this uh, in my speaking, you know, that, uh, 80% of B2B leads come through uh, LinkedIn and most and most of these profiles are invisible. So my goal 
is to is to make you visible, put you on the super highway of communication, you know? Right. And I mean, I've definitely found that to be true. And I feel like what you said about, you know, year five is the sweet spot. Isn't that kind of where people are finally figuring out not only what they can do, but what they like doing? Isn't there a difference between that? Well, so, that's such a great point, Kristen. Well, so here's the thing. First of all, let me give you, because I'm a data geek. So yes, do it. let me share this with you. So by year two, uh, 20% of businesses have failed. Startups have failed by year five, 70. No, is it 70%? Yeah, so we're talking 90, 9 out of 10 will fail by year five. And the number one reason why they fail is no market need. And that's because if you don't take the time to figure out, is there actually a market for this, right? Yeah. So, the, the, you know, one of the things I talk about in my book is that so many people will say, oh, yeah, you, you know, we'll pay for marketing when there's money to pay for marketing, which is... Like such an insane thing to say because marketing is the engine to sales. If you don't have marketing, if you, and I don't mean traditional marketing, which unfortunately is what most people, you know, when they think of marketing, they're thinking ads and, you know, TV spots and radio and all this. Um, And the reality is for a startup, you can't afford that. And it doesn't work anyway. It only works for established companies because they don't know who you are. So doing an ad, not only is it costly, but you know, who are you? I, this doesn't help me understand who you are, right? So you need to build buzz. You need to build the audience. You need to build brand awareness. That's really your number one job as a startup is build brand awareness because people don't know you exist. Right. I always uh, like to say that if you are marketing and you don't have a proven offer, you're lighting money on fire. Exactly. That's people such a great way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. You're basically just flushing it down the toilet, right? Or lighting it on fire. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And, you know, people have this idea that there's like this magic pill that suddenly it will all be clear. And they think by year five, well, you know, if we hire more people, if we, you know, we have more of a track record and that's all well and good. But the problem is, you know, your salespeople still need to know what you do. Yes. What what are they selling after all? Right. So, again, you know, you're kind of tying their hands when you don't give them you know, that elevator pitch, the key messages. I mean, that's the my the process, you know, that I've developed is all about that. Like, how do I talk to people if I'm, and how do I know if I'm in front of my ideal customer? Because otherwise, everyone's a customer. Sure, right? Yeah, anybody, you know, I hear this all the time with startups. Well, everybody needs this. Well, yes. And do you have a million dollars to spend on, on marketing to all these different people? Because right. how are they going to find out about you, right? Yeah. So, I would say niche is best. Yeah. And that's something that uh, I've like really focused in on in my own business because I realized like my favorite thing is ghostwriting. I love writing books. Obviously, like I'm a copywriter. I was working on headlines before we hopped on this call. And, you know, you've got the pain points, you've got the value, all of that fun stuff. Um, But I realized I'm like, I actually don't want to work with people who can't afford me. And everyone thinks they need a book, right? And a lot of people do need books. Let me just say that, especially for if you want that extra level of expertise in business, a book helps cement that in such an easy way. But I realized I'm like, not every business owner is my target audience because not everyone can afford a book and not everyone needs a book, especially if they don't have a proven offer, which I found 
over and over again. I'm like, okay, what's your business? And I'll talk to them for 20 minutes. And at the end of the call, I'm like, do you want me to tell you the truth? And they just look at me and they're like, yes. I'm like, you don't actually have a business. You only have one offer and you haven't proven that it can work. And they just stare at me and they're like, how did you know? I like, even I knew that. I'm like, I just some big secret, right, Kristen? Oh my right. God. That's so funny. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And, uh, you know, I think, I think sometimes, you know, there's that shiny, the shiny penny syndrome. We, we talk about that, right. In yeah. Our, in our networking group, but you know, this idea is, well, well, everyone has a book. Oh, I need a book. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> what is the book pointing to? If it's not pointing to something, you're in trouble. You've lit more money on fire. Exactly. And, and it's an, and it really is an expensive undertaking. I mean, it took me a while, you know, to write my book. And I, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, oh, you know, do, do people really need this book? And as it turns out, yeah, they actually do. Right. So that was nice, you know. Yeah. But, but it's funny because, you know, to, to, to um, go back to what you said about, you know, proven concept. So I spent 20 years building this concept and then I started tweeting about it and kind of unpacking all the learnings and writing about and guest blogging. And, and little by little, I built a book around these ideas. And mm -hmm. then because I'd spent all this time really proving it and finding out what were the best ways I had, you know, I had these chapters, they kind of wrote themselves, you know, because I also had these exercises that I provide in the book and you can try to do it yourself. Absolutely. You know, um, most people aren't able to do it <laughs> by themselves. Right. They need help. Because they need accountability, you know, it's, um, I always, you know, I love this example of, you know, people, there's so much out there. My God, you know, the issue is not content, right? We are like contented up to the, our eyeballs, right? Yeah. 24 seven, you can get everything. There are videos, there's all, but you know, I, I liken it to somebody gives you the American dictionary. It's got every word in the English language. And now go ahead. You've got all the words. You can write a, you can write a novel Go for it. Right. It's like, that's not how that works. <laughs> no. Yes. As you know, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, right. yeah, but I thought you'd appreciate that. And now no, I love that. I love it. And yeah, I have several, I'm looking, I have like a shelf full of like the fattest books you can possibly imagine. Cause I'm also a certified copy editor, even though I don't do that anymore. Um, because as it turns out, there's not a real market. It's unfortunate, but people don't appreciate how amazing editors are. And even with my friends who are still doing it, I'm like, I don't know. They're like, I want to quit. I'm like, yes, I hear that 100%. Because no matter how amazing something is, if there's not other people out there who are willing to pay for it, you don't have a service to sell. You don't have a product to offer. Even if it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, if you haven't done your due diligence and found out whether people, you know, cause a lot of times people build their own workaround and, you know, or, you know, the culture changes, you know, it used to be, I mean, I worked with typesetters for a year cause I had, before I, I went into consulting, I had uh, my own design and marketing communications firm. And we, I ran that for 14 years and I worked with amazing typesetters who are now all gone because nobody cares about the perfect balance between every letter and every number. And, but the nice thing is that I was trained by those people. So I actually can see the difference. 
uh, which can be a double-edged sword because sometimes you wish you didn't. Yeah, that's true. I was uh, I was reading a book yesterday, and then I went on, um, you know, my poor husband. I went on a forty-minute rant about M dashes and N dashes. Oh and he's God! Like, oh yes. <laughs> he's like, I'm "Is there you. a difference?" I'm like, "Yes, there is." Let me explain. Is there a you. difference? <laughs> <laughs> because people just don't know. Like in the book, they were using an N dash like an M dash, which I'm like, N dashes are not punctuation. M dashes are and. So before I go crazy about this on here, which I'm sure no one cares about, it's like you notice those things that you can't unsee, right? But you're like, okay, the world doesn't care as much about this as I do, so I can't get paid a lot to do this. Yeah, and and see that was so that's exactly my point, right? It's not that no one cares about it; is they don't care enough about it to actually pay to fix it, right? And unfortunately. We are less and less because of, you know, our social media and uh, uh, smartphones, which are not smart about punctuation, apparently. Um, no. so, so we've just kind of learned to go, ah, good enough. You know, it's good enough. And so you also have to be able to read the room, you know, read what's going on in the culture. I mean, you know, 30 years ago, people cared about this stuff. Well, somebody did. I don't know. Maybe they didn't because they didn't have access to these, all these programs, right? I mean, you know, so now it's like, no. So yeah, I think to your point, Kristen, it's more, are are people willing to pay for it? Because if they're not willing to pay for it, this could be the most amazing thing ever, but you will literally go out of business. Yeah, and I think like in my own business journey, I have like this long list of uh, failures, which I love. I wear it like a badge, right? Um, But one of the things that I failed at was I created this thing called the $5 Writing School, where I literally teach you how to write an entire book for $5, and no one would buy it. And I'm like, what is wrong? Like, why can't... And there's no demand, right? There's too many free YouTube videos. There's too many... So I'm like, I need to get out of this industry. That's when I realized I yeah. can use storytelling for something that people will make the money. Right. And that's where. Right. You have and, to follow the money trail. And I'll tell you something else. I don't know how. Do you know David Acker? Uh, he's like the grandfather of branding. He's um, he wrote a book, Building Strong Brands. He's written several books. He's now on YouTube. You know, he's, yeah. he was able to make that switch, you know, but. But one of the things he talks about in his book, Building Strong Brands, is that what you charge is directly correlated to the value that's perceived about it. So when you charge $5, people go, well, I can get it for free, right? If you charge $10,000, people would say, huh, this must be something really good, right? It, and it's it's just the way our, our brains work. We We equate money with value. Now, of course, you have to be able to deliver, right? You can't do Right, right. But we assume you have you have the goods. It's not about that. But yeah, I, I totally get why nobody bought the $5. And I have seen that with my own practice that as I've raised my prices, you know, you get better clients because now people have skin in the game. You right. know, if you give it away, first of all, they it, there's this, is it really worth it if you're charging so little, you know? So some of that is on you to do the research and make sure that you're, you know, and now I know, like people have even said to me, oh yeah, that's very reasonable. That's in line with, right? So, you know, that's really good to get that kind of feedback. Um, right. And it's just like, you don't know what you don't know. And back then I was following like all these like gurus are like, hey, if you have like a $5, $7 offer and then you upsell, you're going to be rich. And I, it was just like, 
they didn't deal with the demand problem at all. They're like, just build this and people will buy it. That is wrong. That's not how it works. I, I don't know if you've read my article literally called, if you build it, will they buy? <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I know the answer to that already. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it's like, we're not all building a field of dreams. You know, I, I liken it to the movie, you know, and people aren't yeah. going to line up for days to come and see, you know, ghost of baseball on uh, legends past play game of baseball. Right. This is so, but you know, what I find really fascinating about, about our conversation is this idea that there's so many misconceptions out there. So I, I look at it more, you know, from the marketing standpoint, you know, everyone thinks, Oh, marketing, that means I need a, an ad, you know, I need a, a spot on the Super Bowl. Do you know how much money it costs to have a 30 second yeah. spot on the suit, it's like millions of dollars. You could feed everyone in the country for a couple days at least. <laughs> yes, you could. And and I think part of that again, it goes back to only established and very big companies. That's why you see car companies, you see Nike, you see like you know yeah. big companies because. They're the ones who have that budget. <laughs> to do well, it. and they have the consistency and they have the ability to deliver, right? Like if you see a car commercial and you're like, I want that car. Can you go buy it immediately? Yes, you can. Right. Well, in theory, right? Because there are shortages now. Well, yeah, pandemic. I know. And it depends which car. But I mean, I'm in the, I don't, I, I know, I think we're both in the B2B space, you know, the business to business, which is very different from the B2C, the business to consumer space. Yes, true. I, I do not go into the B2C world because that is a very specialized um, it is. industry. And, but, you know, within the B2B space, one of the reasons why my tagline, you know, making fuzzy clear, why that resonates is because. Uh, every single person, every single client I've ever had, the first thing they say to me is nobody knows what I do or I can't explain it. I can't or, explain it. Yes, explain I hear that it. all the time. I can't explain it. It takes too long. Whereas, you know, in the consumer world, I mean, when you buy a product, this, that's a very different conversation. You know, not to say right. that they don't have clarity issues, but it's different. And it's so, totally different. You know, I don't know about you, but I find the more complicated the more fuzzy it is, the more fun it is to to make it clear. It's like a puzzle. That's why I love it. It's like a word puzzle. I'm a quilter and I come from a quilting family and I always liken it to that. You take the pieces that make sense to go together and you put them together. But the truth is you and I can see the pieces and assemble them, but most people can't. And especially it's difficult to do it on your own because you have all that imposter syndrome coming in. You're like, can I really get these results even though you know you've tested it? Yeah. So how do you deal with that when you're working with someone who they can get results, but they just don't have the confidence? Because that's something I run into constantly in the messaging world. I'm like, you're great. I love this. I can see how we can sell it. And they're like, well, I don't know, because I'm scared. Um, and I'm assuming you work with a lot of women, right? I do uh, work with mostly women and usually I work with service providers. So like you said, B2B, they have their own business that they're providing a service just like I am. It's like businessception. So, you know, that's, that is the crux of the problem right there. Right. And I think, and for me, the way that I approach that is they're not talking about the right things. And once they see, so part of my process, you know, is to really help them, uncover their UVP, their unique value prop, right, proposition. Yeah. And, and to do that, I need all this information. And, and it always amazes me when I'm working, when I'm rebranding a LinkedIn profile, 
they leave out like all the good stuff. It's like, wait a second, you did this and, and you served in the military as like a rear admiral or whatever for yeah. 16 years. And that's not on, don't you kind of think that could, well, no, I don't think that's important. Oh, really? <laughs> and so I, part of what I do is I help them kind of fall in love with their brand because they haven't really explored it from an outsider's perspective, right? And there, and you know, in our mind, we're just like, yeah, we do this; it's no big deal, right? And um, and that's especially true for women. And I wrote an article about that as well. It's you know all about their embracing our superpowers because because what happens is we don't recognize it as a superpower because it comes so easily to us, right? We don't see that not everyone can do it. Not everyone can do it. And the value is not in you doing it. It's in what people get when they hire you to do it. Right. So the, you know, to answer your question, I feel like the part of the imposter syndrome, part of how you break that down is you kind of show somebody, here are all these amazing things that you have done. Can we talk about that? Right. And you did this and you did that. And, and, oh, really? And, and, you know, and then when I try to get like, you know, in their education awards, they're like on all these boards, they've, you know, they're, they're running these nonprofits they've done. I mean, and it's like, none of that stuff is anywhere to be found. Right. No one knows it. No one knows it. Right. Because in your mind, and I think this is very true with, with a lot of entrepreneurs where, um, and I think that I would say mostly women, you know, where we Mm -hmm. sort of have this idea of, eh, you know, we don't really need to talk about that, but if people don't know what you've done, then they don't get the full picture of who you are and how you can help them. So so it's not enough to uncover it. Then you've got to connect it with who needs that. So right. who needs your superpower, Kristen, right? It's not everybody on the planet. No. But, right? And so, and so part of the job is not just to uncover your superpower, but then find the people who are literally would, would do anything to have that, right? Like they're out there. But they can't find you because your messaging is not clear. It's all fuzzy and you're leaving it kind of out there for people to figure out. Right. And they won't. They're not going to do that work. You have to do it for them. Nobody's going to do that. And so when somebody lands on your homepage and they have no idea, I mean, and I, you know, this is, I've been looking at homepages since the start of the internet, right? So I've been looking at it for a long time. And I cannot figure out most of the time what the heck it is that you do and why it's important. So, right. you know, talking about yourself is never a good way to start a conversation. You no. always want to think about, you know, what is it that I offer that's really helping? And how can I talk about this in a way that somebody's going to go, oh, she gets me. Yes, the mirroring of the pain, right? That's what my copywriting mentor, she always says, she's like, whoever mirrors the pain best wins. And I found that to be true. That's such a, oh, I love that, Kristen. That's a, that's a really great way of saying it. Yeah. Mirroring the pain. Yeah. But of course, it's not enough to mirror the pain. Then you have to have a solution for the Right, right. Yes. If you don't have a solution, there's nothing right. for you. Right. Like that's, I always ask them, I'm like, is there something when I start working with a new client? I'm like, is there a way for them to pay you for your help? And a lot of times they'll just look at me. I'm like, can they purchase something from you right now? And they think about it and they're like, well, technically, if they go to this page and then that page and then do the splits and then turn around five times. And I'm just like, we need to fit. Like, if you can't purchase quickly, you don't have a business like 
you need to exchange goods for services and money, right? Exactly. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, part of the reason why I wrote my book is because there you are. You can go buy my book. I mean, it's really easy. Um, but but the other thing is that it also allows people to see that this is, you know, it looks easy because you know, I've been doing it for a long time. And as you know, Kristen, you know, that's our superpower. We're able right. to do it. And it's it's something we know how to do. But for most people, it's not that easy, you know? And then they they struggle along, struggle along, and all of a sudden they go, hmm, yeah, maybe I should really call Kristen because I think I don't know how to do this. All right, let's take a few seconds for our sponsor break because their business stories matter too. When people ask what you do as a professional, do your palms and pits start to sweat? Do you break out in hives? Well, don't worry, we've got you covered. Today, you can take Literary Symmetry's complimentary 30-minute masterclass to help you craft your one big sentence so that next time you have 60 seconds to share your story, you know exactly what to say. Because your business story matters, sign up today at literarysymmetry.com forward slash pathway. And now, back to our episode about an epic business owner just like you. Well, and honestly, like, so I, you know, you know, I was a certified copy editor, and then I became a copywriter when I realized, oh, I can't sell this service. But the thing that helped me the most about being a copy editor was that I could do the five C's, which are clarity, concision, consistency, correctness in the vein of clear communication, right? And that's something that copywriters have to do. And when I realized those two things were connected, I was like, they're connected. And I tried to go out and tell everyone, like, look at this. These two things are connected. Isn't this amazing? And everyone was like, we don't see it. You're never going to make a business, a successful business out of this. You should just quit. And I was like, what? Like, you know, so things that are clear to us are not necessarily clear to other people. And I'm curious how did you first, like, let's get into your business story a little bit, right? Because that's the title of the show. When was the first time you sort of realized that I can look at this chunk and I can make it into something that is clear and that is concise? Like, was it as a child or was it like in the beginning of your career? When did you realize that I can actually take words and make them better? That's a really good question. Um, you know, for a long time, I thought I was going to be an artist. And because I've, you know, I've been drawing since before I could write, but they kind of go hand in hand for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um, you know, as a child, I, you know, I did not, you know, I mean, I was an avid reader. And I think anyone who writes is an avid reader. I think yeah. that just comes with the territory. <clears throat> Excuse me. But growing up, because I grew up, uh, I'm, you know, multicultural, multinational. I grew up on, on other in other countries. English is actually not my first language, um, and I think that that is great training for someone who's translating something, right? So, oh yeah, I thought for a while that I was going to become a translator in the UN. Like that was something I thought about doing, right? Because languages come very easily to me. But um, you know what I realized is in that process of learning different languages and. You know, you walk into a room and you can't speak the language. You don't know what people are saying, but you know how they're behaving. Mm. And I feel like that has really helped me because I always look for the subtext. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I I can relate in some way. I lived in uh, Hungary for a year and a half, and I lived in Greece for seven years. And so my kids' first language was Greek, not English. (laughs) But it's a lot of work that you don't really think about from a language perspective until you're in it, right? Like, you're like, okay— This person said this, and not only that, but cultural things come into it because what they say might not be what they mean at all. And I experienced that uh, lots of ways in both Hungary and Greece where you say someone says something and you're like, another person's like, they don't mean that. And you're like, oh, okay. So what do they mean? A sense of humor is not, does not culturally translate either, by the way. So, and and, yeah, and the proof of that is that in France, where I, I, I spent a lot of time in French speaking countries, you know, Jerry Lewis was a god in France. So there you go. Right. <laughs> I don't know if that's still true. I'm probably going back a few decades, but it was true. So it was definitely was true. Yes, it was true. And um, but, I, you know, I think to your point, what I find so interesting in the translation process is there's what we say. And just like you said, there's what we say and what we mean. Mm. And then there's the receptor of that information. And if you don't understand who's at the other end of that, your words will often not resonate because they're not, they're not hitting something that they care about. So you could have the most beautiful words and they will be meaningless to that person because that's not your client. And so I was thinking, you know, when you said about how people say, well, you're never going to make a living. Those probably weren't your clients. No. And that's, and that's something else that, that, um, you know, I talk about actually in my book, which is this idea that if, you know, we need to understand that person. So we know when we're in front of the wrong person. Yes. And, and uh, for me, the elevator pitch, that's what it does. A really great elevator, elevator pitch for me does two things. It identifies whether I'm talking to the right person and it identifies if I'm talking to the wrong one. Because if I get, you know, all I say is, you know, I make fuzzy clear. If I get the deer in headlight, we don't need to talk any more about it. You know, I ask them about what they're doing. You know, I'm happy to provide resources if that's something I can, you know, I, I look for other ways I can help them. But, they're, you know, it's. It's very clear. So so one of the things, you know, when I work with people on their elevator pitch is to really get to, you know, and that's where that whole thing of pulling out that one golden thread in all that language. Who is this person? What do they care about? What are you really doing for them? What have they told you they get? And, and you know, that's not a two second conversation. You need more information. No. And I would also ask you because I get, so I don't know if this happens to you, but I get clients who have worked with other copywriters before and nothing worked out and they're bummed, but they're still willing to find help. They know they need help. And the first thing they say to me is, you're not going to make me fill out any worksheets, are you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of those going around. And, and, you know, that's true with branding, you know, with any kind of brand strategy, you know, there's all, I mean, it's unbelievable. There's like all this stuff, but there's no one to help you make sense of it. It's like, right. you know, I've got a whole bookshelf filled with worksheets and video, you know, whatever books. And then my, I've got, you know, a whole trove of videos. What am I doing with that? If you don't have someone to explain it to you or to help you walk through the process. So that's why, you know, I always start with who are you? Then it's, you know, what is this thing? What's your, you know, kind of what's the the UVP? What's your unique value proposition? Who is that person who needs it? And now let's connect who you are 
what, where they are and what they need and connect that into a, a dialogue, a conversation that's going to help them see that you're the answer to what's what's been keeping them up at night. Right. And I, I feel like, well, this is what I tell people. I'm like, they're making you do all the work. Why are you paying them? Right. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're, that's a good point. Yes. And I do it. So like there, I'm like, I'm going to ask you questions, but I'll never ask you question to answer questions apart from me. We're going to do it together because I'm yeah. the one who's there helping you. But uh, one of the things that I've noticed is like, even though people know what UVP is or USP is, they don't understand what it's for in their business. They think that it has to sound exactly like them. They think it's for them. So how do you explain? Because there's there's that, you know, it's not connected, right? They're like, this thing is for me. If I know what I want to say, that's usually how it goes, right? Mm -hmm. If I know exactly what I want to say and then I say it, people will understand. So how do you work through that as far as helping them see that it's not about what they want to say, it's about what the other person needs to hear? Yeah. I, you know, I say all the time, it's nobody cares about that. Like they just don't, you know? Um, and, and because what, what people tend to do is they focus on the what and the how, this is what I do. This is how we do it. All that people care about is the why, why, yes. would, why do people work with you? Why would I want to work with you? Why, why would, you know, why would I, I mean, you know, even if you're not talking about specific budget, you know, if I don't get the value, no matter what you charge for it, it's going to be, I'm not going to want to do it. So right. the key, the key I found is to listen. So I really start by trying to understand what is going on for you? What have you tried? You know, who are these people? And a lot of times, you know, they don't even know who their ideal client is. They think it's like everybody, right? So, so the first step is to really kind of pull back from that and to say, okay, let's look at this person. So that's why I do a whole process around that. We do an empathy map. I, I really get clear on who this person is and, mm. and um, you know, and then once you understand that, then, then actually, you know, the, it's funny because what I realize is, you know, you've got all the answers. You've already got the answers. It's just, they're not in a, in a, in a sequence or in a format that you can access it easily. Right. right. The idea is, you know, you've got all these books on the shelf, but you're never going to open them. Right. You've got all these worksheets that you're never going to do. And even if you do them, then what? Then what do I do with that? Right. So, what do, yeah. Right? What do I do with the worksheet? After? Do I do with it? And, and I mean, it goes into, you know, and then you get these nice binders. We don't do any of that. You know, it's like you do these exercises, you send me the answers and then I synthesize it, synthesize it and then. We work through it together and together we come up with what, what is this, right? And then it becomes part of you, right? Because the whole idea is, you know, these have to be your words. I'm not the one who's going to be saying well, them. If it doesn't sound like you, you're not going to attract the people you like working with. It, it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I just want to, um, do you, are you okay? Like criticizing other businesses? Can we talk about pricing for a minute? We I won't can, be specific. I, can we can we can we reframe it as instead of criticizing, can I just weigh in on it? Yes, I love that. Yeah, there's like different ways of saying it too. Like one is like throwing rocks, right? And one is casting doubt. I always go with casting doubt in my personal branding because to me that feels better. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but there are certain <laughs> companies out there that they're charging $10,000 just for the branding 
package. Like they don't work with you on your offers. They don't write any copy for you, which to me is like, what is happening? Like, how do you talk about that with people who are interested in it? Because I know I've worked with people who have paid the money, they've done it, and they still don't have the clarity they need, and they feel defeated like they did something wrong. Oh, yeah, that's a terrible feeling, you know, and I I get that a lot. Like, oh, my God, I don't know how to do this. And people feel so, like you said, defeated, deflated. You know, they feel like they've they've screwed up. It's it's, you know, irreparable damage somehow. And, you know, um, I was I always go back to, you know, Henry Ford, not Henry Ford, sorry, um, Thomas Edison, who said, you know, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just found a thousand ways not to not to make a light bulb, you know. And I've always loved that because, you know, the reason I know how to do this is because I've done, I've made all the mistakes, right? Right. (laughs) So the first, I think the first step is you need to humanize all of this and you need to show that, you know, I don't have all the answers. I have lots of experience as you do as well. We have experience and we've learned how not to do things. And by process of elimination, you figure it out what works and then you get results and then you track those and you get feedback from clients and little by little, the picture kind of comes together, right? So in terms of pricing, you know, and this is a funny thing because honestly, it's such, it's such a wild West uh, approach to pricing out there, right? Cause yeah. you could pay, you know, seven bucks for something and you can pay, it's you know, people say to me, I spent $50,000 on this thing and I have nothing, you know? And I'm like, okay, this is, this has to do more with regulating it. And unfortunately, you know, unlike attorneys who have, you know, you can see because you see where they went to law school. You see that they actually have a degree. You right. see that, you know, they've got a roster of clients and, and there's a way that they do things. And it's been codified in some way. What we do doesn't have that, unfortunately. Um, you know, when I was working as a graphic designer, it was the same thing. You know, you, yes. you, you could pay, you know, and of course now it's all commoditized and you can get a logo, well, so-called logo, you know, for 10 bucks, <laughs> which is really not a logo because it looks right. like every other logo I've ever seen in the last 30 years, but whatever. It's not unique. Yeah. You know, this is why I tell, I tell startups, don't, don't spend any money on a logo. You're not ready for a logo. That's like, yeah, logo. you don't know yet what your logo would even look like. Exactly. Because the logo is a uh, shorthand for your brand and you haven't figured out what that is yet. So don't spend the money. Like it sort of takes, you know, part, I think part of our job is also to help people like just f- relax, you know, sort of breathe and go, yes. it's okay. You don't need to do all of this in the next five minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do it all at once. Right. And I think part of what um, that's sort of like high pressure sales, you know, these 10,000, oh, and we're going to throw this in and we're going to throw this in. And if you and if you do it now, we're going to throw in, you know, the Ginsu knives and all the other stuff. And I think, you know, because we're humans, we we tend to, you know, we have this reaction thinking like, oh, FOMO, right? We're going to we're going to miss out on something. Right. Um, But I think, you know, the work that you and I do, it's it's so customized and it's so personal and intimate. And it's, you know, you're really entering into a relationship with the person because they need to tell you things. And, you know, sometimes I, 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 I call myself a brand therapist, you know, because <laughs> because people tell me, I mean, because it's the only way I'm going to be able to help you. Like I so I think the difference is if someone is not saying to you, I'm going to spend all this time to learn about you. To me, that's a red flag. 
I love that. And I definitely agree. It is a relational thing. And one of the first things I do, and it's not necessarily a test, but it's just to gauge how we can work together is I ask the failure question. Like that's one of the first stories I build my customers is the story about their biggest failure in their industry. And they always are like, you want me to talk about that? I'm like, what do you think your customers are thinking right now? They're thinking I failed. Is there someone who can help me? I need to know. And I can tell really quickly by asking that question, like, are they going to dig deep and bring out the failure or not? And I can I can basically predict what quality work they're going to get from me mm. based on that one question alone. That's a great question. You know, it reminds me, you know, I say this in my book, too. And, and just in general, I say, you know, if you ask the wrong question, the answer doesn't matter. Yes. So ask it. I think that's a fabulous question. I may, I, I may steal that from you. <laughs> yeah, do it. I mean, you'll see. And that's the one thing that I'm always like, I am so transparent about my failures, even recent ones. I never want to appear as if I'm trying to be perfect because I'm not perfect. And if you yeah. hire someone you think is perfect, you're going to be disappointed. And you're, uh, uh, that's also how we get people wanting their money back, right? When they're like, you promised that you wouldn't make yes. any mistakes with my stuff and you did. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we paint ourselves into that perfection corner, it's such a lose-lose because we're human beings. I mean, you know, we make mistakes. That's just what we do. And it, you know, nobody learns from success. People no. we learn from failure over and over again. We learn and eventually we make different mistakes. Now, hopefully not the same one. Hopefully not. Life, yes. right? Hopefully we learn that. Yeah. But sometimes think, it you know, takes a few times for me. Definitely. For everybody. Yeah. And for everybody. But I think, you know, when I, when I, right from the get go, the first thing I say is, look, I know this because I've, I've made all the same mistakes. This is yes. nothing. Uh, this is not unusual. It is not a personal failing. And I think just having that kind of immediate rapport, rapport the person feels like, oh, you know, it's like they can just kind of breathe easy and realize that, you know, and this is a collaboration. Like I said, you know, these are not my words, they're yours. I'm going to help you find the better way to say it, but, or the way that's going to be not the better way, but the, the most effective way to do right. it. You can get the results you need faster, right? Because the sooner that you attract your ideal client, the faster you can scale. It's true. And also it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people ask me, how can you write in my voice? And the unsatisfying answer is, I don't, I don't, I'm unsure. I don't know. I don't know. I think the key is listening. That's my guess, right? Like you said, we listen so much, but we're not writing in our voices, right? Our brands sound like us. Like your brand sounds distinctly like you and my brand sounds distinctly like me, but we can't write for our clients that way. And if you don't let down those barriers or if we can't help our customers or clients let those barriers down, we can't catch their voice. It's impossible. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, you know, I talk about is, of course, you know, your brand voice and it's not to be confused with your personal voice. Right. And I think, you know, it, whenever somebody says, you know, you don't have to worry. I'm going to figure this. No, that's just, just not how that works. You you have to collaborate. And I think, I think what, you know, what I have found that's the most satisfying is when somebody says to me, you know, I know you wrote it, but it feels like I did. Yes. That's the best <laughs> moment. I love that. I love that. 
I love that too. It's just, you know, it feels really satisfying because you've caught something, you know, and there's this whole idea, you know, there, there's, there's something kind of magical about what we do. You know, it's, it's, you know, marketing, I am sure you've seen this and read this, you know, it's, it's a combination of art and science, right? There is data there, there is yes. process, you know, and if you think there isn't you're you know, that's why it's hard because you have to be able to do both. And, you know, that's both the left brain and right brain. And people have a hard time with that. Right. So um, but it's also like you said, you know, when we're really close to it, it's very difficult because you have too much skin in the game. I have no I have none. Right. I have no I, I, what happens. You know, I'm not vested in the outcome. My goal is to help you gain your true, authentic voice mm. and be able to speak in a way that the person who needs you most will hear it and say, where have you been? I've been looking for you. Yes, I love that. I'm like geeking out on all the behind the scene things that are behind our conversation that people don't even know. And I won't go into that. But I'm thinking about like the frameworks and the formulas and the things we're saying that sound like normal conversation. But, you know, like we're like business personalities, voices like it is it's so complicated and simple at the same time exactly it's a you know it's a puzzle wrapped in an enigma sort of thing <laughs> okay wasn't it a conundrum a conundrum wrapped in a something and then in a i don't know there's a conundrum in there i think too. yeah we can add one in because it sounds right to me yeah it sounds I, accurate. I, 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 that's another c word so there you go that goes yes there. i do love c words as you've noticed <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Orly, I could literally talk to you all day and have so much fun. But how can who's the person that you help and how can they get in contact with you? So I think really um, the best way is just um, connect with me on LinkedIn. That's really the best way. There's only one Orly Zewi, as far as I know, uh, on the Internet, period, I think. <laughs> so that's the nice thing about having an unusual name. It's really easy to find me. Um, and, you know, I work with, I mean, you know, I would say solopreneurs, early stage companies, founders, startups, and also as companies that have been around in the three to five year mark. That's mm -hmm. because I have found that year three, if you haven't done any of this work, that's when you hit the wall. And by year five, if you haven't fixed it, that's when people fail. So right. in the three to five, you know, that's a good time to to contact me. So I usually look for people who are, you know, if you're really struggling to get, like, you're just not getting in front of the right people. Those are the, those are the folks I, I feel like I can really help the most. I love that. So if you listener viewer are uncertain that you are getting in front of the right people, please contact Orly. Her LinkedIn uh, link is on the screen. If you're watching, it'll be in the show notes if you're listening. And Orly, let me ask you our final closing question that I always ask everyone. Are you ready? I, I'm sitting down. So yes, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could talk to the person that you just mentioned, someone who's they're looking to get more visibility, right? And you help them do that in an effective way by creating consistency as well. What would you say to them to get like a quick win or like the most important thing they probably need to know? And if it's something you already said, feel free to double down on it. Um, let me see if I let me see if I understand the question. So the question is, what would I say to somebody? to help them kind of see that that working with me would be the way to help them. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Or just like what, 
I mean, yeah. Honestly, like, okay, let me just, like, get all the pretense out of the way. If you are a business owner and you are trying to do your own messaging, you're, you shouldn't. You should just call Orly or me. You should work with a copywriter, and I'll tell you how to, this is the, this is the thing, right? This is what Orly said. She's like, if you work with someone who has no interest in spending time with you or isn't going to work through your messaging with you, run away. Because there are so wow. many people that call themselves copywriters. I'm using scare quotes here. And they have no training at all. And they're guessing. They are literally guessing. So, yeah, Orly, feel free to expound on that as much as you want. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. And, and I think, you know, like I said, it's, it's this combination of art and science, right? So I understand the process because I've built the process. I've read about the process. I've been trained in the process. So, so you want somebody, you know, who has that because you have to have the, that experience, that background. Um, and then the other piece is, you need to listen, right? So um, I'm trained in design process and design thinking. And the first step of all design thinking is empathic listening. And that's so important because, you know, I don't have the answers until until I get feedback from you. Right. I don't even know where to begin. Like, I, I mean, I know the process. I know where to begin the process. What I mean is I'm not going to just suddenly magically come up with, with copy or, you know, your elevator pitch without doing all the, the process. So the first step, you know, I often people say, well, I don't have an elevator pitch. And, and it's like, can you just help me write an elevator pitch? And I said, well, I can, but not like the second. Right. I don't even know what you do yet. Yeah. And I, I don't think you want me to because, you know, that's not going to help you or me. But if you're really interested in getting in front of, you know, understanding if you're in front of the right person with the right message, then let's then let me walk you through this process. And it starts with brand strategy. The next is a messaging strategy. Then there's a web strategy. There's a nurturing strategy. There's a whole right process. And when I'll, you know, if that's more than you, your brain can handle right now, we can start with a LinkedIn rebrand and that that package, you know, will get you up and running in five weeks. Amazing. All right, Orly. Well, thank you so much. And to all the listeners and viewers, I just want to remind you that your business story matters. And I will talk to you next time. Thanks again, Orly, for being on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to my mom's radical podcast. Cool face emoji. And if you want to be radical like my super awesome mom, then you should totes check out her impact accelerator. You just need to leave a review of this podcast and screenshot that baby and send it to impact at literarysymmetry.com. And like my mama always says, your business story matters. Hey, I don't sound like that. Let's do.